Hello, my name is Ronnie Edwards and I'm the director of Pomozzi Creatives. Thank you for joining me on the Everyday Inspirational Women podcast. I'll be spending time with and learning from women and girls that I personally find inspiring. Each one of us carries this incredible energy that can encourage and inspire. I really hope that you find a few inspirational nuggets from some of these women. Enjoy. Amanda, thank you for joining us. So we've asked you to be on the Inspirational Women of Portsmouth um, podcast interview because you uh, were a recipient of an award um, in the education uh, category. Would you mind just telling us all about yourself? Okay, well, yes, you're correct. I was a recipient of the award and it was a huge honour. Someone who's from Portsmouth and who firmly believes in in education can change literally the world. I think it was such an honour and a privilege Mm -hmm. and a bit of a surprise, but always good to be surprised in life. Um, I guess I'm a teacher and a trade unionist uh, and a mum and all three of those interconnect in life and the things that I do. I've been a teacher in Portsmouth for 22 years in primary sector and have taught mainly year six in that time and I'm currently on a huge learning curve of teaching reception. So uh, very, very different. That's a big contrast (laughs) because I teach dance and there's a big difference between the skill set needed for year ones. Absolutely. Let alone reception. But I became a school rep very, very quickly. Uh, within my second year of teaching. So is that as in trade union? Yeah, trade union. was the NUT, National Union of Teachers. Uh, became a school rep in the school. Uh-huh. And then gradually over time, 18 months of the two years, got more and more involved. I'm kind of one of those people that if you say you're going to do something, you do it properly. And I didn't actually realise at the time when you become a school rep, you don't have to turn up to all of the union <laughs> meetings. But you, would, you, would. But you did. You and would. that's because that, that's, that's, that's where you go. Um, it's very different being involved in the trade union movement. My family aren't really... You, you come across people, the, the higher up in the trade union movement you become, yeah. of people that have trade union in their roots, in their family. Mm. My granddad was a train driver and a member of um, the train drivers' union at the time. And that's it. There is no one else in my family who's mm. been involved in the trade union movement. I used to sit making school resources with my gramps watching there were only four channels and it was either snooker or or question time (laughs) and we'd end up watching question time and he'd be getting so cross and frustrated and I kind of done I've done the politics a level so it was it was in me but um the trade union movement came about having conversations with him and I think really the need for social justice and the need for actually standing up for other people and not everyone is as fortunate as you and when you live in a city like like, you know like we live in you see that on a daily basis and in education you see that whether that's teachers support staff uh, or pupils you just feel that it's not fair and someone has to say something for them oh that sounds amazing so so what what does that entail that role at the moment because you've kind of um, gone up as it were yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess so in the trade union movement the members are the people that you have an annual conference every year mm-hmm. it was the NUT we've now become the National Education Union because we merged with the ATL mm-hmm. so we've now become uh, the fourth biggest union in the country the biggest education union in Europe which is a huge union country in the yeah oh. and the biggest education union in Europe so we've become pretty huge um, so I quickly became a caseworker, yeah. which means 
you go into school and represent teachers, it could be someone's returning from maternity leave, it could be someone's had an allegation made against them, it could yeah. be there's a restructure and redundancies. It's very varied, all so of the kinds of things. you step in and kind of... Hold their hand, I guess. Right. Um, and make sure that policies are followed and procedures are followed mm. because, you know, sometimes people do need to get out of the profession, but actually there needs to be a dignity in doing that and, mm. and um, yeah, and helping in that kind of way. So... I became involved, I became the assistant secretary. We had at the time in the city 51% membership right. of teachers in the city. We've now gone up to 71% oh, membership. And that isn't just me. Uh, one of the things I believe in that you shouldn't escape teaching to be in the trade union movement. It should add to your teaching capacity. And all of my officers are really good teachers in this city with a great reputation. Therefore, when you turn up at a meeting, mm -hmm. You have that reputation of that leadership and you're able to, because you can do it yourself in the classroom, you have that respect from the teachers that you're supporting through a support right. programme because you can do it yourself in the classroom. And to me, that's really important um, in supporting people and defending people is knowing what you're talking about yourself. Um, and I guess the teacher, the teacher movement and the education movement is quite a lonely profession. And I've always said... The union should be the family that you choose to join. And that's that's the environment we've created for Portsmouth was NUT now, now NEU, yeah. And that you come along, you give as much as you want. You don't always agree, because people don't always agree when they're in a family, but you have a conversation and you come out come out what's best. Mm -hmm. But also people do have different things that they bring, different skill sets, different opportunities, different experiences, and different time. You know, someone can give lots of time at one point and then they can only give a little bit of time last yeah. time. And I think that what we've done is made that family environment where you feel you can dip in and dip out or be more involved as your teaching job sure. takes you in a different direction. Sure. And I guess different parts of the country have different models of working. Absolutely. Well, Absolutely. And, you know, we're not very good at women at blowing our own trumpets, but my division as it was then, but it's now my branch and district. Mm. We are 1,300 teachers in, in number, mm. 13 to 1,700, but we punch way above our weight nationally in the things that we're doing. Um, we have people sitting on national union boards, representing people nationally. Mm. We're always putting motions to conference and doing national speeches. Um, and I guess that's where I moved on to from there. So I became the national executive member, which covers ports of Southampton, Hampshire, and the Isle of Wight did that for nine years and then recently uh, November 2016 was elected to become the vice president of the National Education Union and it's a, a vice president role where you're automatically elected to be the president it's a process where you become the president elect basically yeah so in yeah in September I become the first ever yeah. National Education Union president um, and the first ever national president from education in Portsmouth in the, in the country. So it is really exciting. Aww. Yeah, really exciting. Let's celebrate that. Mm. And what would you, because that's a lot there you've just covered. Yeah. And you've got lots of different identities within it. What would you say drives you? What, what, what gets you out of bed in the morning? <laughs> I, I think that, uh, you know, without it sounding it is the fact of social justice and not everyone can stand up for themselves and I'm not saying that's me personally standing up for someone but in the trade union movement yeah. there is the trade union are behind you and are there to help you and hold your hand and guide you in that kind of way mm -hmm. I also think 
you know, my own trade union movement has three pillars. It has the pillar of standing up for education, mm -hmm. full stop, and mm -hmm. making sure what education we deliver mm -hmm. is the best education that those kids can have. And when you work in a city like Portsmouth, which has huge pockets of deprivation mm -hmm. and huge pockets of kids that need to see aspiration and need to see dreams and mm -hmm. things that hold, we have to do that and we have to show that chance. And yeah. So I think that's that's what gets me out of bed. Yeah. I have three kids, one's 17, one's nearly 15, and one's 12, all boys. And I have, wow. yeah, and I have a massive desire for them not to be just stereotypical boys. And it's worked. Yeah. They aren't. And, you know, I'm a single parent, you know, they, their dad is around, but we're not together. Yeah. And in order for them to see me, we have to do shared jobs in our house and we have to make sure that, you know, when I go in this evening that someone has emptied the dishwasher or put the dirty washing downstairs yeah. or done their share of yeah. stuff because otherwise, you're, one, they don't see that there's an equality in life, mm. but two, they don't learn themselves. Absolutely. And, you know, you get frowned at for that and people, because you work, people expect you to be... Well, because people expect, still in this society, people expect women to perform and be in a certain aspect. And mm. people go, and people say to you, oh, how do you, how do you do that? How do you do all those hours of working and have your kids? As if to say, are you sure you should be doing that? And mm. I, I don't feel guilty about the work I do. I don't feel guilty about giving my kids a great role model. Mm. And I don't feel guilty about making them make their own packed lunches and yeah. make their beds and Absolutely. sort their dirty washing out so that when we have time, quality time is huge and it's yeah. a good thing that yeah. we do. Oh, power to you, lady. Love it. Oh, thank you. Don't apologise. I think it's brilliant that, mm. you know, it's funny that people would challenge you making those choices. I think people I, do. I totally, I concur. I think, yeah. I think it's really important because I've got two boys. Yeah. And I'm, yeah, like, so have you made your bed yet? Uh, and it's, I know you're six years old. Make your bed. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's you know it's beds are easy to make these days. It's pulling a duvet yeah. over. It's not, and I don't expect it's big and span, but it's a case of taking an ownership, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, and and then their time is quality, so they they don't feel afraid to say, actually, mum, I don't want you to go to that. We don't want to go to that meal. We don't want to go to that dinner. And I'm like, okay, let's have a conversation about it because mm. you are a family. Mm. Um, and sometimes you do have to let people down, work down, you know, union down, politics down, because I'm also involved, you know, in the Labour Party. Let those oh, down. Okay. Yeah, I'm the local, I'm the chair of Ports of Labour Party. So, in your spare time. In my spare time. When do you stop that in? <laughs> I don't know. Between four and five o'clock. Yeah, wow. <laughs> but but I, I do feel, as a, as a rule, and I always say this, particularly to, to young women in, in the union movement, mm. when you take on things... Take on things because you want to, because they excite you. Mm. Because actually, they might move you in the direction you want to go for mm. your career. There's nothing wrong in doing that. And yeah. I think that yeah. women aren't good at saying that. To yeah. me, sisterhood means helping people be the best they can yeah. be in whatever that means. Yeah. And, and I think that we've created that massively um, in my trade yeah. union group um, you know, we wear these necklaces called the Pompey Bells, which actually are nationally renowned now in my own union. Um, and there's a historical story to that as to why, but that why we chose that name. But actually, it's about you're actually part of this group, and some people don't belong anywhere else, and they need yeah. to feel belonging. Yeah, yeah. and so, we don't have a lot. We don't have enough of that, do we? No. The culture, the culture of belonging, especially no. 
Social media's lovely role in it all. <laughs> and and women and social media get get quite attacked, right? You know, in in the job. I was speaking to somebody who was talking about working on a project about women in social media. Was that you? No. No, but I've experienced it. Mm. You know, obviously when you run for election, so when I ran for my national um, vice president election, you get so much negativity on social media. So many people wanting to just... Know you. <laughs> yeah, no, who just want to make a comment about you. Mm. And when, you know, I've experienced it prior to that because, you know, my union, the NUT, is seen as being militant and had a number of strikes and boycotts of testing and things like that. And... You know, when you have those and you appear on the national news, you end up getting horrible messages after, like death threats, letters, horrible things in the post, and you're just doing your job. Yeah. And, but you have to be brave and you have to say, this has happened to me. You can't hide it. You know, I've been stalked on my, in my union role, being in the national executive, your email address yes. is out there. So people... A certain individual saw me on the politics show and then emailed and said, oh, was that you? And you reply back and say, yes, thank you. You know, are you a member? And then it was constant from then on. But you have to involve those people. And you have to be straight out and say to... So I went straight to my union and said, this is what's happening. Mm. And it turned out that this person was doing it to another two women executive members who lived in different parts of the country mm. who they'd seen on, on this, you know, on, on the it's television and nationally, yeah. It is frightening, but there are people there to help you and support you and, and having those conversations. But then it does lead to other conversations. So in our old union diaries, we used to have our addresses and it's that conversation, why do we still have those? Yeah. Why do we need them? But it had never been thought about before. Yeah. It was just a traditional thing. I wonder that about councillors. Like, yeah. Oh, Even if they have a PO box or something, it's... Yeah, it's quite a vulnerable mm. situation you put yourself in, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is it you love about Portsmouth, would you say? The history, I absolutely love the history. I love, love, I love the belonging, mm. the community. I mean, people talk about communities not being... They're not as they were, mm. but there are pockets in this city of huge amounts of community, mm. family. If you're from here, you very rarely move. Mm. Um, you have a massive... This, I don't want to say the word tribal, but there is a real proudness of being from Portsmouth. Um, I'm a season ticket holder at Fratton Park, and I have yeah. been... 30 years. Yeah, um, that long? Yep, yeah. go, I went with my nan when I was first 10. Yeah. Uh, then it wasn't really cool to go with your nan when you get to 17, so I went with my friends and mm -hmm. so did my brother. And then my brother and I got season tickets together and with my dad, although my dad does sit an entire alphabet in front of us because he thinks our language is too disgusting <laughs> at football. <laughs> so he's in front of us in row D and we're up in row double M. <laughs> and I think... It's, it is a, a huge sense of pride yeah. in where we live. Yeah. I think we can do more. I think that there are areas of this city that, that are publicly seen to be proud of and there are areas that we hide. And I think oh, that we need to think carefully about how we make mm. every community be mm. proud of where they are and be mm. part of Portsmouth. I think, I think there's a north-south divide. I do think there's a north-south divide in this city where the north of the city feel one way and the south of the city feel another. Do you, th do you think that's um, uh, reflective of income, do you think? I think, I think it's politics. Mm. I think it's income. I think it's the fact that all the good stuff seems to go on in the south of the city because that's where the seaside is. Mm. But I've long had this discussion around, you know, when people come into our city, 
Where do they actually come into? And it's North End because the majority of visitors to this city go to the ferry port mm -hmm. to go to France. Mm -hmm. Yes, they might come down and do something else. But if you ever look at TripAdvisor and what people say about that, it's not very nice reading. So we need to look at, think, what is the first impression that people get? Yes, you've got that lovely new area that where people come in and go to France. But we need to look at what surrounds it and make those people feel proud to be yeah. from Portsmouth. And I, I do think there is a sense of community, but I think that we could do more. Yeah, that's a really interesting observation. Um, and what, what do you think um, is the most challenging uh, thing for women in Portsmouth? What, what, what do you think? Um... Other, peop other inspirational role models. Right. Um, because when women are put forward in those things, you kind of feel embarrassed. And then you think, what, well, you know, why me? Why not other people? And I think we're not good at celebrating ourselves. Mm -hmm. We are not good at celebrating our achievements mm -hmm. um, and not, not looking at our impact on other people. An example, I went uh, the last two years on International Women's Day, been to Parliament with... Um, 30, 50 girls the first time and 30 girls another time. I was only one of the, the, the women that went with them on International Women's Day to do some workshops on sexual harassment, to show them Parliament, to show them London, to have a look and experience that. Fantastic. And it was brilliant. Pupil premium girls from in the city, never been to London before. Mm. And wow. one of them went back to their school and they were from a school, from a Portsmouth school. They were Pompey girls. And they said... That, that, that girl, Amanda, that spoke, quite impressed I was called a girl. <laughs> that girl, Amanda, that spoke, it was so good because she talks like we do and she can be successful. That means we can be successful. You don't have to be posh to, to be successful. And I'd never thought about that before. I actually didn't think I had an accent, to be honest, but I obviously do. Um, but the fact that a year 10 girl is saying that because I'm speaking from Portsmouth and I'm not pretending to be who I'm not, that she feels inspired that she can go on and achieve things is, is great. So I think that's yeah. one of the things. Yeah. I think the traditional roles, I think elements of our city are traditional. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. It's not a bad thing, but there are elements of, having, of you feeling you're having to juggle everything and do everything and not ask for help. I think right. that, that's a thing. Yeah. So I think there are those things yeah. that are barriers and, and when you see someone doing it, yeah. I guess you think, well, they make it look easy. So I guess we have to unpick, if we're the people doing it or we see that person doing it, mm -hmm. we have to have the courage to ask them how, why yeah. and unpick it. Yeah. And we have to provide those opportunities. Yeah. And I don't know that there are those opportunities at yeah. this point in time. Maybe for professional women. Yeah. But maybe not for other women. Um, so I have one more question. Um, yeah. I like to ask uh, people I chat to about a challenging um, experience that they would have had in their past mm -hmm. um, and how they overcame it. Because I don't think that language is out there enough. That whole, this was what I faced and this is how I overcame it. Is yeah. there anything that you feel that you could share with us about just being in a challenging situation and how you got past it? How did you get over? Um, how did you overcome? I guess there's been a number. You, you, don't, you don't work in the trade union movement 
and you don't work in education uh, without coming yeah. across many challenges. Sure. Um, the trade union movement is massively full of men. Mm -hmm. um, in saying that, though, the, the people that promoted me and supported me, mm -hmm. the, the first ever person, you know, we talked about inspirational people and I talked about my family, was a man called Keith Gardiner who just didn't have, he just didn't get sexism. It wasn't anything in his makeup. He mm. just was a genuine, he saw the people for the job they could do mm -hmm. and, and saw them. So I guess, but he isn't what you come across all of the time. Mm -hmm. So I guess there are challenges that you face. I faced, one of the biggest ones I faced was in my employment. Uh, I worked in a school in the city and you have this thing called UPS, which is up a pay scale, mm -hmm. which you apply for, you used to apply for one, two was automatic, and three should be automatic if there were no issues with your teaching or, right. or what you did in the school. Right. And we just had a recent strike, and I guess the person who was in charge of me at the time, my, my leader, took umbrage to that and took it that it was the national strike, but it was my making the reason the school had been closed. And, right. and that played into how she treated me with regards to that that, that UPS3. And I guess you think, how do you do that? How did I overcome it? I sat down and despite the fact of my own trade union background, I thought about, okay, I'll just, I'll just let it go. It's fine. Mm. And then I thought, no, actually it isn't fine. Mm. How can you, I'd just given a speech about why we were on strike and saying about how can we teach our kids to stand up for themselves if we, if teachers don't do that. Yeah. And then I thought, how can I say that? And then I do it myself. So I did, I treated myself as an own, my own individual case as if I was going to do it myself and what would I do? Your and what I would, yeah. And so what I did was then say, right, what would I do? I'd go to the other teachers within the, the school that I worked with and say, could you just write me a paragraph about why I would be one of the first teachers you'd pick to come and take your class? And I did that. Okay. So kind of collected evidence. Yeah. Well. And then just submitted that. And with a, with a letter to say, you know, I've, I, unless there is an issue with, with how I'm teaching, how I'm operating, there mm. isn't a legal reason why you can't do this mm. but it did go to the wire and it then did and I, you know I did win mm. um but only because they would they decided to withdraw the, the hearing and just awarded me the pay but it then made right. you think sometimes you have to cut your losses and you have to decide to move on yeah. and do other things like pick your battle. yeah so I did I gained my UPS3 and then I chose to move to to be somewhere else and to move my career in a different direction I guess yeah. and it did make me think the union is the right place for me to be working yeah. um because you can use that for yourself so I guess that yeah. that's one of the things with a uh, you know a professional overcoming. Uh, overcoming yeah. um I'm a single person, mm. not with my husband anymore, and that that's not easy either. That's that's has its difficulties because that's yeah. that's that's life, isn't it? Yeah. And you have to learn how to do those things. And and you know we have had conversations around however we feel about each other. The absolute vital thing is that our kids never ever mm. feel they have to pick mm. or feel uncomfortable with us mm. being in the room. And as an adult, that's not an easy thing to do. Mm. Um, so I guess that's also something that you that is challenging, yeah, and it, that. it's challenging. Yeah. But you have kids, and they they shouldn't be put in the middle of things mm -hmm. that you do and choose to do. And but they also have to have open conversations and be able to be open about how they're feeling about yeah. it. So I think that's probably the most difficult thing I've managed in my personal life is yeah. after you know breaking up with my ex-husband of twenty years.
Yeah. How, how do you make sure it's right for your kids? Yeah. How do you make sure that they grow on as adults yeah. and have fulfilling, equal relationships yeah. and don't be damaged by anything you might have done? And keep the dialogue open. And keep it open and have those conversations. And, and we do something that I think is pretty radical. Um, I'm not the only person. It came from, from a fellow sister who, who'd broken up with her other half previously before me, where we actually share our kids. So we have, I have my kids for a week, and on a Thursday they switch and go to their dads for a week. And the hardest part for me was the letting go, because when we lived as a family... You know, I did everything. Yeah. I did parents' evenings. I did food shopping. I made dinners. I did everything. And sure. maybe that's why it was a con maybe because I, I wanted to control it, or maybe it was just how the situation worked out. I mm. kind of don't really need to go down as the wise. But then when that changed, I had to let go and not necessarily go to that parent mm. evening, not necessarily be there to do that homework, pick up the tears, and and kind of help my ex learn the parenting that I'd done in, in a different way and it's never easy and you know kids also have their own hormones thrown into all of that as well but I think but I think that won't be a challenge that goes away I think that's something that that is always there because you have three kids and they're always going to be in your lives as they go on into their lives 17 nearly 15 and 12 so yeah that's something that that you have to manage and you have to not be selfish. Even if you want to be, mm. you have to not be selfish. Mm. You have to think about how you're reacting and what you're doing and how your life is in that mm. kind of way. But at the, in the also in the other time, I talked about the fact of quality time, not quantity. Mm. They also have to understand that in order for them to live with their dad for a week and live with me for a week, mm -hmm. the pair of us have to also have a job each because we have to support them yeah. when they're living with yeah. us at each time. So, yeah, and I guess... Yeah, and it seems to be working. You have hiccups, but, yeah. but you find a way to have that, that time. Yeah. One person said to me, it was at a parent's evening, and I was pregnant with my first, Oliver, and she had three kids. And she said to me, and her youngest one was, was Ruby, and she said to me... I have three kids, and they're three different. A son, no, a daughter, an older daughter, mm -hmm. then a son, and then, then Ruby, the daughter I taught. And she said, I just find a time in the day, in the week, mm -hmm. for just me and mm -hmm. them. And that really has been a great bit of advice. Yeah. So she said her other half, her husband, would get out of bed and go to work early, and her son would automatically make a cup of tea and get into bed, and they'd have that ten minutes oh. in the morning. That would be their time. Yeah. Ruby was younger, so that would be after school. Yeah. And then her daughter was older and sort of in her, her 18, mm -hmm. and she said, and we found different times to, to be just, just together. One-to-one. One. Yeah, and it's m making that time, and I think then, then if you're working away, and I work mm -hmm. away a lot, then your kids don't feel they can't phone you and have those conversations because mm -hmm. you've made those little times in yeah. and they get frustrated with me of course they do they're like why can't we see you more or whatever and I but, but those are conversations that have to be open yeah. and you can't feel bad about it yeah and, and that's the reality out there for all parents isn't it well it is for all parents, parents and working parents and and more women than than anything else because we are still in the world where men earn more money Men are given more promotions and, 
you know, we don't, equality, there is not an equality in pay. We've come a long way. Yeah. And in some ways, in education sphere, it's better than in others. But it's still a battle to keep yeah. going. Yeah. yeah, very true. I concur again. <laughs> oh, Amanda, it's been lovely talking to you. Um, you are such a force of nature. I love it. Thank it's you. Fantastic. Um, thank you for your time. And thank get you. This podcast up as soon as possible. Okay. Thank you very much. Cheers.